brothers and sisters, Pastor Jason here. Such a joy to be back with you here on this episode. On this episode, I want to talk to you about something maybe just a little bit different, but I think that diversity is good, and I think that maybe there are some things that we can learn. And I want to look at the book of Genesis. I believe that the attack on the church is coming today, and I think the devil and all of his schemes are attacking. And first of all, he's starting with the beginning of the Word of God. If the devil can attack us in the word of God and get us to doubt or to get us to think that maybe it's not all true and that the Bible is not literal, then he's won really the battle because then we begin to doubt everything from there on. I don't know how many people I've talked to that says, you know, I just don't know if I can believe that uh, Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. I just don't know if I can believe that and that he lived inside the fish. And I just don't know if I can believe that uh, all those animals could have fit on the ark. And I just don't know if I can believe that. Well, friends, I do take the Bible literal. I take it in a literal text. I try not to read into it or try to think too much about it. I accept the word of God by faith. And it takes faith to accept the word of God and the work that Jesus did on the cross, even for us. But in Genesis chapter one, I think if we just kind of go through the chapter, we'll see the direct attack on the word of God and where it comes from. And in chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And first of all, I don't believe in evolution. I don't believe that we evolved from apes. You know, there's so many problems with that theory. I don't believe that we evolved. It says God created the heaven and the earth. And then, of course, we know that we'll see on the sixth day, then God created man. And I believe that God created the heaven, the earth, and then God also created man. I don't believe it any other way. Uh, God could have chose another way to do it, but he wanted to create us. Why? Why is that so important? Because if we know what God created, then we'll know what we're here to do. And I believe that evolution itself is an attack on the Word of God. It's an attack on the people of God. And there's so many problems with evolution. I'm not going to get into all the problems, but the biggest problem that I see with evolution is there's no middleman. You see an ape and you see man. You never find in a fossil, you never find in any way in the, in, that they've ever dug up anything that was half ape and half man. You just find man. And you find, mate, there's never been another fossil. That's the scientific proof, the easiest way to defend that. But I believe that God created it. And in a second, he spoke the world into existence. And then, you know, I believe that we know that basically the first thing by history, what we believe, the first thing that was written was about 4,000 BC before Christ. So, 4,000 BC, we believe that Moses began pinning down some things of history. Moses wrote the book of Genesis. But we can't say for sure, but most people believe, I I believe like Ken Ham does in the uh, Creation Museum, the one who built uh, the Ark and the one who built the Creation Museum. He has a great work, uh, Brother Ken Ham. You can look him up. He has a great, uh, simple, simplistic view on creation, how the world was in about 6,000 years old. Now, we could say six to 7,000, but what people will try to do now in Genesis chapter 1 to 2, this theory's been around for a long time. They call it the gap theory. And, the, and I've heard this taught. I've listened to hours of teaching on this. And what they'll do is they'll insert millions of years between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Now, now they'll take you to a psalm and they'll say uh, that there was total chaos between verse 1 and verse 2. Now, I don't see that. I see that Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. 
And then the earth, verse 2, was without form and void of darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the water. That's what I see. I can't put millions and millions of years in between there. And then what they'll do is they'll go to different parts of the Bible, and they'll start taking a bunch of different pieces of the Bible, and they'll say, see, this is chaos on the earth, and these mountains were shaken, and they were moved, and they'll use a lot of allegorical talks that the psalmist talked about, and they'll place him right here. Well, I can't do that. I take it as a literal verse one to verse two in chronological order, and that's just the way I do. And I think it takes more faith to believe anything else than just to believe what the Word of God says. And I believe you can go back into the science, science of it, and they you could, they prove carbon dating being wrong. Have you ever noticed when you go to like a museum, it says between four and six million years? Do you know how much faith it takes to believe an extra million years? Like I, I mean, just think in our time, how to even how we even think about a hundred years how much time a hundred is now take a thousand now take 2000 now somehow we're going to add an extra million years look at the leap of faith it takes to add those millions of years i believe the earth is six thousand so we're somewhere around there six to seven thousand years old i can i can believe that but i can't add a million or seven million or eight million years somewhere on here and then it says in verse three and god said let there be light and there was light and this gap theory is we somehow place some many millions of years between verse one and verse two. I just don't, I just don't see that. And then people will say, when you jump on down here, it says, and God called the light, this is verse five, and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now there will be people that say, okay, now there, this day was not a literal day, that it wasn't a 24 hour day. They'll say this day was a area of time. And there's a few different theories on this, but the main ones are these two, the gap theory and then this that now this day was like thousands of years or you can even place a couple hundred thousand or even close to a million years. So this day that he's talking about was a dispensation. It was a time, as an era of time. So when, when he says a day, this day was like 500,000. And the next day was another 500,000 because this wasn't in literal terms. Well, again, I think that's a greater leap of faith to think that now God is telling us this. And by the way, why would he say this? In verse five, look at it. It says, he called the light day and the darkness night and the evening and the morning were the first day. What do we see today? Evening, morning, one day a 24-hour period. I just think it's as simple as a nose on our face. Even people that are they're wrong, but they're sincerely wrong. Somehow they've placed these millions of years and these thousands of years, and they're trying to make the Bible say something different. Friends, I think it's so important that when we don't know, we take it literal. We just take it literal. Now, when God says, you know, that I put you under the shadow of my wings, now we know that's an allegorical type speaking. You know, it's just a way of speaking. It's the way that they spoke. We know that God doesn't have wings, but when we see a day, he calls it a day. In verse six, he says, and God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters and let the divide the waters from the waters. He's saying, let's divide the, the land from the, from the sky. And he says, and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. A firmament is simply our, our air that's above us, our clouds. It's a firmament. It's the, it's the heaven above us is what it was called. When Paul said that we talked about heaven and the third heaven, he talked about the sky being one heaven, the clouds being another heaven and then above the clouds what he didn't know that was what he called the third heaven and god called the firmament heaven in the evening 
in the morning or the second day. You see, there's the second day. It's one day, evening, morning, second day. And so he keeps talking. Moses is still inspired by the Holy Spirit, talking and giving an account of these things that were happening. It's amazing that we now as people can't just accept that, hey, God is speaking in literal terms here. And I see an attack on the word of God. And then let me go on down here. And it says in verse 21, it says, and God created the whales and every living creature that moveth, which is the waters brought forth abundantly after every kind and every winged fowl of his kind. And God saw that it was good. And this is one of the things that people don't understand. After a kind, after a kind is like, for instance, if it was a dog, you know, he made a, a dog. Of course, we know if you test DNA of an animal, the first DNA of the dog is a wolf. Every dog that you test, if you look in their DNA, is the wolf kind. So when we fast forward to Noah's age, we don't, we know that he didn't have to take a St. Bernard, a bulldog, a poodle. He didn't have to take all these different kinds of dogs. He had to take a wolf. That's what he took on the ark. That was the whole purpose of the of understanding that when he made something after their kind, so he made it like it. So he made a whale and another whale, another whale. He made it after that kind. But then through time, they crossbreeded with other things and they made different types of things. Of course, we know now, uh, like the dog that I have, he's a bulldog. We know that he was crossbred for a breed for a specific purpose, but he still has wolf in the dog. Verse 22, and God blessed him saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the sea. This is important. Verse 22, what is our purpose? Our purpose is to be fruitful and multiply. That was the purpose of the animals. That was the purpose of, of what was made in, in, in everything God made. He said, let them multiply in the earth. That's our purpose. We see our purpose in what we're supposed to do. Now, I understand there's people that can't have children. And I understand that even like Paul, he was called to celibacy to where he didn't have a spouse. But our purpose is to multiply. As Christians, we are to evangelize. We are to multiply. We are to seek people out in the kingdom of God, that they may receive salvation. See, we see our purpose in Genesis chapter one. If I've ever seen it before, I see it now in the world that people don't know their purpose. They say, what am I here for? Well, I believe we can find our purpose in Genesis chapter one. And then the fifth day, verse 23, in the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creature after its kind, cattle, creeping thing, beast on the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after this kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, now this is so important, verse 26 of chapter 1 in Genesis, and God said, let us make man in our image. Look at the word there, our there is Jesus manifest in the Holy Spirit right there. Let us make man in our image. He, just, he didn't say, let us make man in my image. He said, let us make man in our image. See, the Spirit of God was there from the beginning of the time and in the first couple of verses of Genesis 1. He says, let us make image, man in our image after our likeness. So we are likened to God. We, we are made. We are a triune being. We're spirit, soul, and body. And God has built us. Why is that so important? Because if we know that he created us, if we know where we've come from, we can know where we're going. We are like him, spirit, soul, body. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he. Male and female created them, verse 27. Now, 
I taught this to the youth group the other day, whenever I had a little small group I was doing. And this is so important because where do you see the attack today? What's, what's the madness going on? Well, the madness is now we're transgender. So we can choose our gender. I heard a deal the other day, a little article. It said now that these, these new parents are actually raising their children and they don't tell them they're a boy. They don't tell them they're a girl. They let them be raised. This is true stuff. They let them raise themselves to decide what they want to be. And at what they decide, at whatever term, time they decide, I'm a male, I'm a female, then they, or if they just want to say I'm neither, then they can say that. Friends, that's the most ludicrous, ignorant thing I've ever heard. God created man in his image, male and female. He created them right here in Genesis chapter one, verse 27. There's an attack on the church. There's attack on the word of God that now we can call ourselves whatever we want. I read another article the other day. There's a lady that said she lets her boy wear a dress to school. She says it's a very liberal school, but the kids make fun of him. Now, listen, I'm not saying that we, hey, we played dress up whenever I was a young man. We put dresses on, we did things, but now there's such madness in this in this craziness and this liberal community that says if you call them something besides what they want to be called, then you're a hater. You're wrong. No, I'm calling them a male because that's the way God created them. I'm calling them a female because that's the way God created them. And it's madness and it's an attack on the word of God. It's direct. It's a matter of fact, if the Bible says rebellion is the sin as witchcraft, why do we have such people in such disregard against the things of God? Because people are in direct rebellion against the word of God. They can't accept things. Now, I suppose to you that there's not many of my listeners who disagree here, but I think it's so important. We don't try to fight with people and argue with people about, you know, and be mean about these things. We just need to be aware and take them to verse 27 here and say, God created you male and female. God loves you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. We need to embrace who we are as a people. Why is that so important? Because once we begin believing a lie, it opens up to things that are lies lies, more lies in our life. The Bible says who the son is set free, we know is free indeed. So what's it mean about someone who's not set free? That means they're bound. So when we believe lies and lies about homosexuality, lies about the things in our life that God wants us to believe that we're no good, that we're that he made us wrong, that he's made us bad, then that opens us up to other lies, to be more tainted, to be more marred, to be more marred by sin. That's the problem with this. We have to just take it at face value. But now, not only have they attacked their millions of years, people have attacked that God didn't make us, that we've evolved, and then now we're not mailing. Do you see this degradation? Do you see how we are regressing here as a society? And then we wonder why, what's wrong? And then it says in verse 28, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing. I'm not against these things trying to protect our environment. I'm not, I'm not against that. But what I am against... I'm against this idea that now we hold animals above. We hold animals and what they are above even what man is. We're coming to that place. The other day, I was uh, I lost my dog, and this sounds funny to you, but I lost my dog. I thought, you know, I'll share it on Facebook, you know, see if I get any responses. I had like 26 shares in 12 hours, 26 shares because I lost my dog. Now, that was important to me, and I appreciate you guys if you shared it. But I got to thinking, I had 26 shares because I lost my dog in just 12 hours. 
I've shared scripture. I've shared things of the Bible. I've shared things about people being saved, pictures of people being baptized. And at the most, maybe four or five, maybe even 10 people will share it. And after, you know, a period of a week or two. And I'm not suggesting that that says everything, but I am suggesting that that says something. I mean, our hearts now, we've been so hardened toward what God's created, toward us being human beings. We've held animals and our love for animals above even our love for people. And let's go a step further. I believe a lot of people love their animals more than they love God. See, this whole thing's gotten turned upside down somehow. I just think as we've looked and scanned through Genesis chapter one, I really want to encourage you to go back to the basics. You know, that's what I've been saying. That's been my soapbox these last few weeks is we need to get back to the basics. We've gotten so far out in theology. I think we've lost ourselves. We've gotten so far out in these other things. We say, how do we help with someone with this problem? Then we need to do this. How do we help someone with this problem? Then we need to read this book. How do we help someone with this problem? Then we need to do this. I believe the answers to life can start in Genesis chapter one. I think if we truly understand that God created us, God made us, and we see what our purpose is, what is the purpose of life? And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, the purpose of life is that we worship and glorify God in everything we say and do. Why? Because he created us to do so. He, what, what was the fall of Satan? The fall of Satan was, the, it was that Satan became prideful and then wanted to be exalted above even God himself. And that's what we've done. We've decided now as a human race, we've said, you know what? If we want to add means of years between verse 1 and verse 2, we will. Matter of fact, we really don't care. I've heard Christians say this, you know, if I believe God created, but God just created through creation. Well, that's ludicrous. You're adding things in. What you've said is your opinion or this idea or this theory you've come up with, not based on the word of God, not anything in scripture that you've now decided that you can tell God how he's going to be. And you say, well, that's a far stretch. No, it's not a far stretch. A far stretch is adding things into the word of God. The Bible says we're not to add or take away anything. Read the last, last part of Revelation. We're not to take away anything from Scripture, nor are we to add things in. I believe when we begin doing things like this, it's direct rebellion that can lead to the losing of our faith. I believe that. Absolutely, I believe that. I've seen it happen time and time again. People lose their very faith because they start doubting. You know, we start doubting that I had someone ask me the other day, they said, you know, uh, how come the Bible says this in this place and this in this place? And I said, and I tried to explain it the best I could. And they said, you know, I just don't think that wasn't Jesus that said that friend, the word of God, this wasn't Jesus that wrote this. This was Moses that wrote this, but it was all inspired by the word of God and the spirit of God. The Bible has been around for thousands of years and never one time has it been proven wrong. Never one time. And it can't be proved wrong. There's been thousands and thousands of people try to prove it wrong. But if you ever talk to someone about scripture, here's what they'll do to you. They'll start, you take them to scripture, they'll take you away from scripture. You take them to scripture, they'll take you to experience about what they've experienced. You take them to scripture, they'll take you to science of some scientist that wrote some paper. If you want to prove the Bible right, my friends, and you want to defend the scripture, stay with the scripture. But every time someone will try to prove it wrong, then they'll take you away from Scripture. What our job is to pull them back to Scripture. So when you're coming from the preface of trying to see someone converted out of a homosexuality, out of this transgenderism, out of a lifestyle that is against God, 
when you're trying to, you plead with them and you ask them, but you keep pointing them to the word of God. See, I can't argue with what some scientist wrote, or I can't argue with what some psychologist wrote, what Sigmund Freud wrote. I can't argue something like that. I don't want to try to argue. I want to take you back to the scripture and point you to the scripture to where we can see great things done because the word brings forth life. And the word of God is where our strength is. It's the bread of life. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's where we need to stick with, friends. We need to stick with the idea that we have the answers. The word of God has the answers. And the things I don't know, I'm going to leave them. I don't know why God chose to take the sun at one point in time and then move it back a little bit to prove the prophet of God. I don't know why, but I know he did it and I know he can do it. And I don't even think it was hard for him because he's God. And I take it at face value. Friends, I hope his word's been good to you. I really encourage you to look into Genesis chapter one and study the chapter. Get you a commentary out. That's something I do. Uh, you can find them free at BibleHub.com. BibleHub.com. You can scroll down to the bottom and you can look for the scripture. You can look for Matthew Henry commentaries. Uh, they have Holman commentaries. They have dozens of free commentaries. You can look, download apps like eSword, uh, Logos Bible Software. Uh, Logos is one that I use and I've bought it years ago and they have it very reasonable for uh, the, the entry level of Logos, L-O-G-O-S Bible app. And start reading these scriptures and start getting in the word of God. Start reading these commentaries. Get you a study Bible. Look in the bottom of your study Bible. Get you a good uh, Nelson study Bible, or, you know, there's many other study Bibles out there, but get you a study Bible that you can start looking into these things. It will be things that apply it to history and also give you these different kinds of theories. Friends, till next time, God bless.